1: Welcome to Britain is a Nation of.
0: The
2: podcast where we explore British behaviour by unpacking statistics to understand the little differences and similarities between us all.
1: I'm Stuart Henderson, Head of News at Yahoo UK.
2: And I'm Matilda Long, Journalist at Yahoo UK. And I'm Victoria Valdezir, Data Journalist at YouGov. With the end of season one approaching, we're discussing statistics around the theme of death, like how many people want to know how they're going to die and whether we think funerals should be happy or sad.
1: And we're joined by special guest, Cariad Lloyd, comedian, actor, writer and host of Griefcast, which won Podcast of the Year at the British Podcast Awards. Hello. Welcome.
3: Oh, thanks, thanks for hello. having me.
2: <laughs> I'm going to start off with a very cheery question. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> if you could find out, would you like to know how or when you're going to die,
3: Carrie um, I think it's an interesting question. It sort of implies that you are going to gain any knowledge. Mm. Whereas actually what I am obsessed with is the fact that we we are all going to die. Mm-hmm. So there's no one magical. There's no one that's going to like miss that boat. There's no one that's like, oh, I took my vitamin mm-hmm. C, so I'm going to be fine. <laughs> so it's almost true. like, why do you need to know when it's going to happen before you haven't accepted it's going to happen? That's and true. I think so many people aren't able to even talk about the fact that it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So knowing when and how is like, yeah, that might be helpful. Have you dealt with the fact it definitely will? <laughs> and true. are you We're living your yet. life in a way that feels like you are aware of your own mortality? Which I don't think a lot of us are because mm-hmm. it's very difficult. Okay.
2: Victoria, would you like to know how or when? Do
4: you know what? I think I probably wouldn't want to know either. I mm. definitely wouldn't want to know when because I just don't think... And especially if I was, like, the only one who knew. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, that would just change. it really. I You're
3: being so weird today. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a bit different. It's stressy.
4: <laughs> yeah, it would just be a bit much. I think I'd rather just, I'm quite happy just I living love. life, and then at some point it'll be over, and that's okay too. Okay. Stu, <laughs> what do you think?
1: I think no at the moment, mm-hmm. uh, but I can definitely see a time when that, the answer would <laughs> be yes. But I also mm-hmm. think Victoria's point about being the only one would be obviously slightly more difficult, mm-hmm. but I would. It would be great if we could move to a situation when knowing the date of your death wouldn't be unusual mm. or, or a weird thing to know. Yeah. I would like to have the option of of finding out. I wouldn't like. Wouldn't want like a happy retirement. You've got
4: eight
1: years to go. <laughs> okay. I would like at some point to go. Do you know what? I think I'm ready to to find out when I'm going to die. Just let me know.
2: My thoughts about this is that if you knew specifically when you were going to die, it would really affect the way you lived your life. So, I don't know, if you knew you were going to die of cancer, then you could take up
3: Extreme sports. I and just because you're I'm dying die. doesn't mean you have to take up extreme sports. it's Yeah. Don't feel pressured. <laughs> well, the majority
2: of Brits don't want to know either how or when they're going to die. So 52% of 18 to 24 year olds don't want to know either. And this rises to 74% of over 55s. So the older you are, the more likely it's the opposite you are. Of your yeah. The more likely <laughs> you are not to want to know either how or when you're going to die. I guess maybe because it's about to sooner. happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Okay.
2: So a quarter of Brits would like to know one of the two, either when or how. And young people are the most likely to want to know the details of their death. Uh, one in 10 want to know when, one in nine want to know how, and nearly one in five want to know both.
3: But I that's like asking we're... a young person, like, oh, do you want to know what happens in that film? <laughs>
2: Spoiler alert. Ha- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how does that film
3: end? I don't think it's as real as it is if you're... 65 mm. and you've already had five operations and some of your friends have died of, of, of different diseases. If you're 19 it's like, do you want to know? You're like, sure, what happens? Yeah. <laughs> how, yeah. how glamorous no is it? Because yeah. you don't, it's not up close in your face yet. So mm. I think you probably still think it's like someone saying, do you want to know what happens in the end of Game of Thrones? You're like, yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to yeah. watch it. It's, there's like seven series. Yeah, yeah just tell me.
1: Yeah. Do we think our, 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 we would answer differently if it was um, a loved one? Would you want to know when a loved one dies? Oh God. I think... um,
2: Oh, that made me... That sort of hit me a bit more than wanting to know about...
1: Yeah, I think...
3: think, Spoiler alert, they are also going (laughs) to (laughs) die. Sorry, guys. So sorry. Literally everyone. (laughs) It's mad. It's a mad new thing they've just discovered it. (laughs) But you don't know whether they're going to
2: die before or after you, so you might not have to
3: deal with it that's mm,
2: maybe what that's it. yeah
1: technically, yeah, technically that's, if they that's die a, after you then they're not going <laughs> to die really for, <laughs> for yeah something. that's true <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's not do you want
2: to be upset or do you want them to be upset <laughs> yeah. what's your choice what's your choice <laughs> so the survey also found that young people are the most afraid of dying so they want to know how and when they're going to die but they also said that they feared death the most so 42 percent of 18 to 24 year olds said they're fairly or very afraid of dying compared to a third of those aged 55 and
3: above. They should I be think... more afraid of getting to 30 and seeing what's happening in the world. No, <laughs> <that's> true. Like <laughs> true. What they when... haven't achieved. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Once yeah, the so... climate wars break out, guys, like <laughs> don't worry about it. it will
2: be fine. <laughs> I think the thing that maybe surprised me a bit is that just over half of Brits, 52%, said they're not afraid of dying. I think that's quite high. I thought it would be
1: I more think people afraid we, of death. We talked about this in, office, in the office earlier, didn't we? And there weren't that many people who said they were afraid of dying but but it was weird that those who said they were afraid of dying were quite strong on that mm. they were it, there wasn't so sort of many gray areas it was like if you're afraid of dying that is it you are quite afraid of dying and you give it a lot of thought i mm. think but
4: i also think that there was a distinction between whether you're afraid of like the process of dying as in how you're going to die is it going to be mm. painful blah, 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 mm. or, or, rather than like mm. being dead which someone pointed out like you can't necessarily be afraid of something that you're not going to experience because <laughs> yeah, you won't true. be there mm-hmm. anymore. But it's actually just the the moment itself, which again is really weird because you're not going to be there after. So you're not going to have to deal, even if it's really painful, then you're dead after. So, so an interesting thing that I looked into, uh, according to the Office of
2: National Statistics, dementia and Alzheimer's are the leading cause of death in the UK, which accounts for 12.7% of all deaths registered. And the top five basically the top five ways that most people die, account for almost half of deaths. So the survey asked do you want to know how you're going to die? You can we basically, basically we, we do know how so we're very like, likely you know to die. You know you're going to, yeah. and you can mm-hmm. work
3: out top five what it probably will be. And mm-hmm. people are like, I just don't know how it's going to yeah. happen. <laughs> and you're yeah. like, you do.
2: Ladies, mm. it's going to be dementia. Yeah. Stuart, yes. heart disease. Okay, cool. Mm.
1: Brilliant, <laughs> thanks. You're
2: welcome. You're welcome.
1: <laughs> I'm literally not going to change the way I live my life at all, right. knowing that information.
2: <laughs> so, Carrie, from what we've just found out from these statistics, what do you think that says about our relationship with death and how it changes as we get older
3: um, well yeah as I said I think if you get past 50 then you probably have known a fair few deaths in mm. your time um, I always felt like I'm quite unusual because my dad died when I was 15 but I actually read a survey recently saying mm-hmm. that um, something like tw- it was something like oh god I can't remember the statistic, <laughs> but it was like most people have experienced a large death by the age of 24 okay. so I was like well that's weird then because it still feels like the majority of young people haven't. And so they're just like, we're partying, we're free, I'm mm. scared of <laughs> Um, And I think, I guess the only thing I can say is once you're in the club, as we call it on my show, mm-hmm. is that you become aware that death is not the end. So obviously it's the end for that person. Um, but <laughs> sure. it's not like... It's really sad, it's really awful, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean like everything stops, life goes on. Mm. So I think that's why young people, if you have an experience, I would say that's actually more interesting for me. I'd want to know people who've experienced grief rather than their ages. So people who've had what they would describe as a significant loss, do they then fear death? Mm. Because you get a lot of death anxiety, but I think that's actually different to fearing death. I think death anxiety comes from not being able to control a situation Mm -hmm. and so fixating on something but yeah I think if you're older it probably is you've seen people die you've seen Mm. that their families are okay you've seen that you were okay it was awful Mm. never take away from it being awful but perhaps you don't fear it in quite the same way as I think when you're like 18 you're like (gasps) like, what would I do you'd get dressed and cry (laughs) but you just get dressed like and you still have to go to your work Sorry, guys. <laughs> they okay. don't let you have that many days <laughs> off.
4: Sadly, mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I assume that would have, that's changed vastly in the last like 50, 60, 70 years. Um, partly because we've been living through a period of prolonged peace, I guess, relatively. Mm-hmm. Um, but Definitely prolonged
3: peace in this country mm-hmm. in terms of affecting yes. it. Yeah,
1: I guess you know, particularly during the Second World War. And as we get older, our, our sort of elders are sort of living longer. Are we uh, are younger people therefore getting more complacent about death? For longer? Do we, do we feel like that? They're not being confronted with it at an earlier age and therefore they're like, however. Oh, <laughs> I wonder less. if it's
3: complacency. I wonder if it's just like, if it's not in your face. Yeah.
1: Mm.
3: And, you know, like you said, you know, in the 1940s, 1950s, um, people were dying younger and then the bodies were at home so the bodies were often Mm. brought home and so people saw dead bodies Mm. and i think now you know you could get i know friends who get to like you know 30 and would say i've never been to a funeral i've never seen a dead body now i'm not in that category Mm. (laughs) that's why i do my show um (laughs) but if you haven't had that experience then why would it be in your conscious you know your everyday worrying about it or what Mm. how would you accept your own mortality Mm. it is quite hard if it's not something that you're faced with every day you know and if you don't work in the you know medical care system
1: would you do Do you think dealing with grief gets easier the more deaths you experience
3: <laughs> no i don't i think it depends on the griefs mm. so i would say you know somebody perhaps you've lost six children would say it didn't get any easier mm. um but i think you i think well, what i say on my show I compare it to love. So I think your first grief, you never forget your first grief, guys. Mm, oh. That's interesting. And that's once you know that door is there mm. and once you cross over, literally you, the living person, cross over to this world where you're aware that people can stop existing and what forever actually means mm. rather than like, oh, yeah, I guess I'd miss them. It's like, no, what it means to not have someone for the rest of your life. I think you might feel differently about other griefs because it's a familiar feeling. Like when you fall in love again, you're like,
4: oh, here we go again. <laughs> Been here.
3: <Yeah>. Oh. <laughs> this is going to end in death. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
4: <laughs> so on this subject of uh, of how we grieve and, and how we deal with, with death, I suppose... I was looking at a YouGov omnibus survey which asked people whether they think a funeral should be a solemn occasion that's mourning someone's passing or a joyous occasion celebrating someone's life. And I was quite surprised in that my assumption, somehow, just from what I know about the culture here in the UK, was that more people would be on side of it being a solemn occasion. But actually, you had a third of Britons say, yes, it should be solemn. But then 44%, so that's a little bit under half, say they think it should be joyous and actually the older you are the more likely you are to think that it should be a joyous occasion but in line with what we've just been talking about about Mm -hmm. young people and their attitude towards death young people are significantly more likely to say don't know and so basically what happens is you've got a consistent proportion of people who think it should be solemn But then you have less and less people saying don't know and more and more people saying joyous. So the ones who are changing their minds are changing their mind to joyous from don't know. And you have almost no one who changed their mind from don't know to solemn, um, if that makes sense. So yeah, yeah, I just thought that was quite an interesting finding, particularly here where I don't know, maybe it's Christian influence. I don't know what it is, but for some reason, I would definitely imagine that the quote unquote classic funeral is still kind of wear black be sad Mm. and actually quite a lot of people would rather it wasn't
1: i feel my hunches i'd feel i find it really unusual to celebrate death and i'm I'm frustrated i feel that way but i'm conscious that is what i think i haven't been to that many funerals but one funeral that i remember being particularly touching was the 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 person who died who was was fairly young in his 20s Um, he requested that everyone wear something purple as part of the kind of send off because that was his favorite color and he just wanted something to maybe lighten that mood ever so slightly and that was his nod to that and I found that a really sort of touching way of acknowledging something that someone wanted to remember rather than like are we all sad because that's how we should act therefore you're not really thinking about them You're, you're acting the way you should act which is really odd whereas as you looked around the church you just saw lots of purple and that made you realize lots of people were wearing lots of people are wearing purple for a reason and that was nice
3: it's also very much feeling part of a community yeah and i think that's what happens when someone dies you feel very isolated and your sadness can make you feel very isolated and when you're grieving it's the same part of your brain lights up as when you're depressed so anything that makes you feel part of a community and when so everyone's wearing the same color which is what happens with the black Mm. the reason we all kind of like or why it's popular why Mm. it's done well (laughs) um is you all feel like oh we all feel sad we are we all liked this person we all miss this person and in that grief and loneliness for and you know half an hour whatever the ceremony is you feel like oh we are all feeling the same thing mm-hmm. whereas you go out in the real world everyone's laughing and joking having a good time you're like oh I'm not part of that community I'm part of a sad community mm-hmm. um but I don't think there's anything right or wrong and again I'd be interested to know the people who think it should be solemn I'd want to know how many funerals have you been to because yeah. I've been to solemn ones and they are depressing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like and obviously it depends you know I've been to the funeral of a again someone very young and it was a mixture, I would say, of trying to celebrate his life, but also it was just so awful what happened to this person that it, it had a, a, a solemnity in a positive way. I would yeah. say that the respect for the the pain of that loss of life was mm. there. Mm. But I think when you go to you know say if someone's eighty and it's like you know every <laughs> him going is like dreary, and I'd be mm. like, oh, I mean, they lived eighty at like yeah, wear purple or have something. Mm, yeah, My dad was a really big, um, like triathlon a runner, a, well, triathlon man, is that the word? <laughs> <laughs> Marathon <Right>. runner. <laughs> yeah, and so on his coffin, we had like his old running shoes. Mm, so yes. something as simple as that, like which, yeah. we, but we were in a very traditional church and that just made it feel again like, oh, I don't feel like I'm in a Victorian ceremony mm. because the other thing that's interesting about our funerals is a bit like our Christmas, it's a lot of Victorian hangover. Yeah, because
1: yeah, true. True. I, I feel like there's too many like this is the way you have to act at funerals i find it really yeah, frustrating it's, it's
3: very victorian i would say yeah. like i i don't know the full ins and outs but i know that in victorian times they had extremely set rules for grieving mm. for how long you could wear the morning clothes so there was like the amount of years like a widow could should wear it and the amount of black you should wear if it was your cousin if it was like yeah like or if it was your husband's cousin and they was you know they love to make a nice rule about stuff and I do (laughs) think that feeling you get when you go to a funeral and you think oh I should
4: is sort of a bit of a hangover Mm. like I'd be interested to know but at the same time I think uh, there seems to be A lot of evidence just from looking at even just like funeral ceremonies around the world and in different cultures, that at the same time, in the same way that the community kind of gives you something to hang on to in a difficult time, the traditions do as well. Massively. And I think that's really important.
3: Everyone I've spoken to on Griefcast who had a... a religious background already that they sort of believed in found it very helpful. Yeah. Although one of the interesting things, I spoke to a comedian, Ishan Akbar, who's Muslim, and he said he found it hard because there's a certain amount of days you have to mourn. And after his mother died, he found that really frustrating because the ritual told him it's over now.
1: Yeah. and oh, wow. I was like
3: he but they had all these rituals that I was jealous of as someone not you know Church of England not that specific and I was like oh you had all these great rituals you had to do and he was like yeah but then they said it's over yeah and I found that hard because I was like oh but I'm not ready for it mm. to be over yeah. so I think the rituals can really help but again like any rule you need to sort of fit it for yourself like mm. if you're still sad you still want to grieve keep going
4: mm. like, and I think the other interesting thing about that is also that question of of who is a funeral for, actually. Yeah, exactly. In yeah. that, you know, so much about a funeral, a bit like the story that you mentioned, Stuart, is about, you know, the person who passed away has sometimes, you know, if, if their death was expected, left behind some kind of an instruction of, of mm-hmm. how they'd like their their yeah. death to be celebrated. And um, and very often people are very adamant about adhering to that, of, you know, what they would have wanted. But at the same time, the people that are there are the ones who are still living and the ones who are grieving together. And uh, it just feels like a really interesting and strange dilemma of, of, of who should this ceremony really be about and for and, and why are we doing it in many ways? It's so that the people who are still living can mm. can find a way to move on together and support each other. Yeah. But at the same time, it's also your last tribute to what that person wanted mm. and to how they want to be sort of sent off. Yeah. And I guess that that's quite an interesting thing about about grief that you know it ends up being about the living and how they can carry yeah. on, but you're doing it in a way that remembers that it's person. It's such a
3: compromise between individuality and community. And it was it mm. reminds me of any ritual. It's like same as a wedding. You know, you talk to people at the wedding who are like, oh it is for us, but we had to do this as this to keep this person happy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so and again it's like trying to find that balance of celebrating that person. But yeah, they're not there. Mm. And the thing you hear mo- I have to say most of all is when there's a when you I would say a successful funeral is everyone always goes the saddest thing was the person who'd enjoy this most isn't here. Yeah, that's because cute. you play their music, you've got their, friends, their friends, you get oh, things they like, you talk about them, so and then you go, yeah. you're having this great time, and you're like, oh, the one person yeah. who'd really love yeah. this <laughs> because I mean, I like it, <laughs> but they loved <laughs> that's, that's that sad. song. But then the thing is, when someone dies, it is sad, and you mm. shouldn't negate that. That mm. doesn't mean it can't be a celebration, mm. but to and that's why I think it's important to make that distinction of like a celebratory funeral doesn't mean we're all like, woohoo, they gone. <laughs> it means, oh, I celebrate their life. My God, I miss them. That makes me sad. Like you can't skip over the sad bit, mm. but you can, you know, I, that's what it, it, you can dwell in it maybe more than you need to, I wonder. Yeah. So
1: how about this question, uh, which I don't think I, I've ever asked any of my uh, closest friends and family. Mm-hmm. And it's weird that I haven't asked it, which is like, have you, have you thought about your own funeral? Like what you'd want in it? Oh. I have. I've never told anyone that. But have I'm you? Like, yeah, have I'm you dirty- written it down? Oh. You need to tell. <laughs> this is a bit
3: we talk about when I do the live yeah. show, we plan funerals for three comedians. And the amount of times wow. like you have to tell someone yeah. Yeah. because otherwise okay. you get run over by a bus and we go, guys, I know what he wanted. It was like absolutely like no music. And you're like, you're in your upstairs going like, no. Need to-. That's the thing why like, we don't talk about how we want to die. Or even the other thing we don't discuss is like if you go into a vegetative state, You know, we don't talk to our partners and say, okay, I want you to switch it off. So what happens in the medical world is like, they try and keep someone Mm. alive. Sorry, I made it very dark very quickly. (laughs) Um, There's an amazing book, called being mortal i can't remember it's by Uh, atul guanda yeah and he talks about that if you haven't had that conversation what will happen is the doctors will just try and keep you alive because that's their job whereas if you've had that conversation your partner or loved ones can go oh i know he said keep him alive as long as you
4: can (laughs) but the great thing about that book also is how much he touches on the fact that doctors in the medical profession feel like their job is just to keep them alive yeah when actually he's like Doctors aren't, haven't been taught how to deal with mortality mm. because our job is yeah. to save lives, and so if someone dies, we have failed, and that's totally not mm. the case, right? But yeah. he was just and because if
3: yeah. you're, you know, you're a loved one and your partner's in a coma, God forbid, you know, and you're looking at them, you're just thinking, well, maybe there's a chance, maybe there's a chance, mm. and no one has that conversation of going, "I'm the doctor, I know there isn't, but I'm gonna help you. Yeah. I'm sorry, we did interrupt your funeral plans. Do you want to? <laughs> share- <laughs> you should yeah. share them now. Well, they you're, they change quite song? a lot.
1: It's, well, it, it's basically around. I think it's around sort of cremation, the organs thing, and the songs thing. They're like the three crucial things to me. They're big. you
3: got to get, it's like the, the dress, the cape. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: yeah. I, I've been thinking about this since I was a little boy. Um, I, 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 the, the songs vary. There's like a really, there's a really weird part, like the happiest song, like I've, like was when I when I got married was like the first dance and that feels like a nice bookend but then but you've also, ruined it for your I'm wife ruined it, ruined it for my <laughs> well, that's
4: wife that's nice but yeah. she's gonna be sad yeah.
3: that's true so, yeah. so you can't ignore
1: a, it I think it's like a weirdly nice idea I think that's beautiful uh, that's I nice. really do
4: because she'll she'll think of you anyway right that yeah,
1: song yeah. yeah that dead. song's
3: already <laughs> slightly <laughs> ruined do you know what yeah. I mean she's yeah. not gonna be yeah. pressing pay on that at Christmas yeah so you know why not make it officially the funeral song okay
1: I'll I'll maybe talk to you about it organ's do what you want, can care less. Yeah. Uh, pr- I probably fancy cremation. I quite liked. I quite like that idea. I don't like. And then, what like do you
3: want box. done with the ashes? People don't talk about that. Oh, like, yeah. then ashes yeah. sit in a wardrobe, as what happened to my dad for ten years, because <laughs> no one was like, "What should we do with yeah. it?"
1: Well, my father-in-law died quite suddenly, and he wanted his ashes to be scattered at a whiskey distillery uh, in the north of Scotland <laughs> so we had holiday, to <laughs> <Yeah>. holiday holiday <laughs> so we had a, a week holiday to do that that's a nice. really yeah, lovely
4: see? idea it was it really,
3: was really, really good I'm not
1: ashes. sure if I of course should have said that because I'm not <laughs> entirely sure if the whiskey distillery knows that oh.
3: uh, <laughs> that but... happens a lot with football grounds
1: yeah, yeah. People,
3: people you're not really that. meant to scatter the ashes <laughs> and I hear like people have told me stories of like going to the match and having like a handful mm. and then like running down to <laughs> the front just chucking them and then running back because and they try and catch especially like the big ones I think like Liverpool and not like you know Spurs and Arsenal and stuff have to mm. watch people like, <laughs> like, like you're trying you're to scale this hand like like in, otherwise uh, they'd have a pitch full of ashes like, it's it's they like still... in the great
1: escape when they get rid of the soil yeah, through the yeah. holes in their pockets yeah. <laughs> and there's so much ashes I
3: think you know I think a friend of mine they just put a little bit of the dad under a seat somewhere and they're like it's you know he's there a little bit is there that's what matters but Mm. yeah you should tell people what you want done Mm. and have that conversation the other big thing we talk about on Griefcast is like passwords like we're so digital now like Mm. does somebody know at least one of your passwords Mm. and I know people then change their passwords so do you have a password manager app like Mm -hmm. I think or do you if you're someone who has like a variation of a word that you just keep changing like Tell does someone, someone know <laughs> that word so mm. they can at least start the
4: code <laughs> like best friend name one yeah. best friend <laughs> yeah, two best yeah, friend exactly. three Head name one <laughs> exactly. on this Facebook
2: you now nominate yes. someone to take control of your account when you yeah
4: which yeah. so I
3: think is amazing that really like awesome. for that yeah. to be bought in I mean I'm sure they had to do it because they had so many pages mm. that were being you know overloaded with messages but I think that's a really good sign of how death is now in the mm. digital community mm. and is being dealt with because why not just nominate someone that's yeah. done then if something happens to you
1: but wouldn't this all be a bit easier if we all knew when we were going to die <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> like, set yourself at, like if you get change all yes. my passwords point,
2: to password 123 the day yeah. before
1: literally <laughs> the ultimate deadline
0: hey i'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does they charge you a lot
2: Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.
1: I'm going to change pace slightly and would like to ask the room what's the first thing you would do in the event of a zombie
4: apocalypse? <laughs> if we all were going to die.
3: Um, wow. So I need more information. <laughs> <laughs> what's happening? Are they taking over everywhere? Is it spreading across, in- is it only England and like United <laughs> Kingdom? Can I escape?
1: So on the basis this was a YouGov poll framed as a zombie apocalypse, I'm thinking it's about as bad as it can get. Okay. I'm thinking <laughs> wherever you are, they're coming. Yeah. Maybe we've, we're in that kind of Uh, you've got like Hollywood star. you've got like an hour to get out or to make a decision. You know, they're on their way, guys. What are you going to (laughs) do?
3: I'm going to kill myself. Okay. I'm the only one. who's like, (laughs) like, let's just get out of here. I'm the only one. Um, I would make sure that if my loved ones were around me, I had spoken to them and said, I love you. And then I think I'd be like, is like cuz again you have to think we're so obsessed with living and surviving what are you yeah, going to survive into world. yeah <laughs> like you know are you going to become like Oh, the pole dancer for the zombie king or something <laughs> like princess leia tied up to jabber like is that going to be your future and like no one remembers anything you did or said because they were all zombies like you know i just think what I'm world is that going to be outside. after the zombie apocalypse and there's always hope
1: even in the event of a zombie apocalypse surely. I'm,
3: I'm cancelling the hope i'm, <laughs> okay. Like, okay. I'm like all right guys and isn't it better to die peacefully with your own choice? Mm. I mean, I've really... I've gone there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was just an image now, just like... <laughs> your found lined up in a line, just... Right, guys. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this One is bullet. It. All the heads <laughs> together. Who's going to go Head first? <laughs> uh, Victoria.
4: <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I think... Uh, I would like to say that I can view it in that because that is definitely the right way to view it. But I, I still think I would have this like competitive survivor instinct <laughs> of just like I'm gonna be the last one to go. I'm the best in yeah. zombie apocalypse. Exactly <laughs> for no reason because you're absolutely right. Would add nothing to my quality of life. But yeah. I think that I would just I would just have this like adrenaline rush fuel desire to escape the zombies, Matilda. <laughs> well, I think I would hide.
1: Okay.
2: That's I where don't put, um, in the cellar of my parents' house, which where is also is where all sellers? the wine is. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, no, <laughs> I'm having a great time. Yeah. There's a freezer in there. I could defrost some Really old, weird food like parents have in freezers. You're going
3: to drink so much wine. You're <laughs> going to you're death, gonna eat. You're going to eat a d- badly defrosted pizza. <laughs> yeah. You're going to get food poisoning. Then you're going to throw up all the wine. <laughs> and the zombie's going to come down and you'll be like, ah, just save me. Exactly. Just save me. Be, this is awful. I'll be fine. Then
2: I'll be a zombie.
1: Well, the, the great British public were asked if they had a zombie plan themselves. And I was genuinely surprised by how many people appear to have a zombie <laughs> apocalypse plan, which is 11% of Brits have that's a plan nice. in the event a of a zombie of apocalypse. Uh, and there's a real regional divide, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. quite surprisingly. Uh, so 11% of English people uh, have a zombie apocalypse plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, only 5% of Welsh people have a zombie apocalypse we, plan.
3: we got the valleys. I think they're, that's cocky. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're like, they're not going to get through those valleys. Yeah. <laughs> Build a wall. But
1: in Scotland, 17% of people have a what? zombie apocalypse plan. plan. and uh. And that's... Bizarre. I mean, right? One in
3: six Scots. They're the, brave. Uh, They're brave <laughs> Scottish. They are brave.
1: So some of the uh, some of my favourite uh, answers to this uh, they can all kind of be subdivided into the idea of holding up, mm. getting supplies, or relocating, or
3: no one instantly more. killing themselves. <laughs> no, just, <laughs> funnily okay, enough, me. <laughs> yeah, God,
1: me, me. <laughs> Maybe that comes under not applicable. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> The, uh, the highest one uh, was 26% of people said they would just gather supplies. The second highest one was very, I think Victoria's probably in this one, which is get weapons. <laughs> oh,
0: That's
1: uh, yeah. so 23% of people. Uh, 18% said hole up at a family home. I guess that's kind of where you probably yeah. feel Me safest as well. Cellar. You okay. think it's the wine, but actually it's that kind of
4: Can I just be clear, instance. are your parents with you in the cellar? Don't care. No. Joking. joking. <laughs> There's,
2: There's there only
3: room for one, guys. Yeah. Sorry.
1: But my favourite is nine percent of people refuse to reveal their plans. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Which is that's hardcore. incredible. <laughs> I'm liking that. Oh, so, their plans yeah.
3: are so good. They're like, I'm keeping that, that special yeah. plans
1: myself. They don't yeah. even want to go for survey. don't know. They're like actively saying, I'm not telling you. Yeah. I don't know you. So what I thought was quite interesting about this was kind of also the framing of the question around zombie apocalypse. Because the idea of zombies, I mean, it kind of does go back you know, quite a few centuries, et cetera. But in terms of popular culture, when I said a zombie apocalypse, I assume we all had a fairly similar view of what that would look like. Shaun of the Dead. Which is essentially Shaun of the Dead. (laughs) Um, And I feel like what this could sort of talk to a little bit is how Hollywood, the movie business in Germany, but Hollywood particularly, has changed our relationship with death a little bit by stylizing it, Mm. making us very comfortable with death, but really extreme, weird versions of death. Yeah, Yeah, And I feel like I'm wondering if this is incredibly unhealthy and that there are, you know, incredibly poignant, touching portrayals of death. But, you know, I'm sure you can remember a couple of years ago when they had, uh, it was a TV program, I think it was on Channel 4, of uh, someone who traveled to Switzerland to the Dignitas Clinic, Uh, to end his life on film. And there was absolute outrage at the prospect of that. And yet, you know, stick these ridiculous portrayals of death on screen... And it's like, yeah, whatever. That's fine.
3: I think it's it's really sad. I think you're right because what happens is then people believe that's going to happen to them. Mm. And we live in such a strange world, like that. People go, "Oh, that's happened in a film. That's how my parents' death or my grandparents' death will look like." And the thing we talk about on the show constantly is that you don't get a Hollywood moment. If someone's dying of cancer, by the end they are so morphined up they will not be able to speak to you. They will not be able to blissfully angelically raise their head Mm. and say, "I love you." like that is not going to happen which is why one you need to have those conversations before someone gets sick and tell people you love them and that you appreciate them because by the time they're dying they won't mm -hmm, nearly swore they won't know (laughs) what's going on and i think if like we said earlier about your first death if you haven't experienced death it can be a real shock if you get to like you know 45 50 and then you're losing a parent for the first time and you watch somebody literally Dying slowly over hours or days or weeks, even to be like, whoa, whoa, that's not what I was promised. Yeah. But it's like, do we take that upon any other aspect of film? <laughs> like mm-hmm. when no. it comes to romance, we'd be yeah, very like cynical. Romance. Come on, guys, you know it's not like the mm. movies. But like, no one is so honest to be like, death is not like the movies. Like, mm. and you know, we're very happy to deal with extremes. We're happy to deal with like zombie apocalypse. But really, I'd say what you're watching, like in a zombie film or. In the end of the world film, you'll see a shot where like a whole street is killed and 200 people are dead. But you don't feel anything because you know that's not real. Mm. That's too much for my brain to cope with. But the idea of someone showing you very truthfully a documentary of a man dying, people are like, whoa, no, thank you. Yeah. Can't deal yeah. with that. Sorry. Yeah, because they don't want to face mm. the truth of it, which is death is actually uh, can be boring can be very slow can be really painful uh and can be like dull just waiting for someone to die like it really it can take a long time or it can be street so quick that you know before you know it then are coma and you haven't had a chance to say anything mm. so i think people hold that hollywood idea on their head because it makes them feel like oh i can do it tomorrow i can tell them tomorrow mm. i can i'm not going to die it's going to be okay
4: but the other thing is also just how willing we are and how like enthusiastically we expose ourselves to the Hollywood ideal in terms yeah, of the like yeah. mass murder stuff. I think people are still much more reluctant to watch a film, even about the idealized slow death, even yeah, about yeah. The, like raising your head and saying, I love you. Even that, so many people are like, oh God, no. Yeah, Don't it's want too to too that. Yeah, a bit depressing.
3: I always go back to, the, I think it's Austin Powers. I think it's Austin Powers 2. <laughs> Bear with me. And um, there's a shootout and one of those henchmen falls down mm. and they cut to a home and the woman picks up and she's like hello and it's like is that henchman three's wife and she's like I'm sorry to say he's not coming home today and she's like no one ever thinks of the family <laughs> <laughs> and I it made me too laugh too. so much at the mm. time but it's so, there's such a truth to that of like yeah, yeah. we just watch those henchmen in mm. James Bond or whatever they just get shot and you just think oh well yeah they're baddies they're dead mm. and we don't You know, you don't think, oh, yeah, actually, what is death? What does that mean? People have families and... Consequences. The consequences Mm. of that and how would I feel? And it's like, obviously, you don't want that in a film. That would slow down (laughs) James Bond. (laughs) It feels
1: slightly strange to me Mm. that, as we say, uh, there's that many deaths on screen and then get freaked out by a very poignant personal death. So we've talked a lot about we need to talk to people, talk to our loved ones about death. What would you advise to be the first steps? How How do you broach that conversation? I think it's just...
3: I guess I would say you don't have to like open up sunday lunch with so any funeral plans <laughs> um but i think it's when it comes up perhaps it's not running away from it because i i you know i'm in a family i know what it's like it comes up so and so's died or we all we went to the funeral and they're children and it's rather than changing the subject it's maybe allowing that to open up the conversation so if there's mm. someone talking about funeral or you know if this happened being like oh that's interesting um what would you like at your funeral and I always say to them, like, I'm going to be the one to organise it. So just tell me. Just yeah, me what, would, what would you like? Would you like that song? Would you like to be cremated? Would you like it to be religious? Would you like no religion? Like, I guess another thing that happens quite a lot is somebody might not be very religious and suddenly they're having a very religious funeral and that can upset perhaps the children who feel like that's not what they would have wanted. So when it it's like it's all things, it's like not running away from it when it does sort of land, you know, on the table at Sunday lunch. And especially I think around children i really believe as well i'm not saying you have to be like sit down you're gonna die yeah. <laughs> but not making it the worst thing that could possibly happen i find that really interesting that people like it's the worst thing that can ha- that ever happen hmm. and um you know i'm someone who's my dad died when i was 15 i'm okay like i mean I'm, you know i'm okay inverted commas <laughs> but like i sometimes speak to people and I think oh my god imagine if i wasn't there and i'm like they'll be okay People were okay, they mm-hmm. get through things. Mm-hmm. And if we start from that position rather than it is the worst thing that can ever happen, it, perhaps it's less frightening.
1: And how do we feel about these kind of very soft metaphors that we use for children? I mean, there's, there's definitely yeah. a balance, right? But
3: Well, yeah, I would say as well, there's a lot of grief. Um, terminology is really changing right now. So the five stages of grief, never. I would like to swear about that. Like it's <laughs> not true. It's very much not true. <laughs> if you can imagine how much I think it's not true. What are the
1: five stages of grief? I so feel like you know, I should know that. So, you know, anger, that, know.
3: denial, and, like, acceptance, bargaining. I think um, anger, denial, acceptance, bargaining, guilt, maybe is the other one. Um, and actually, fact- Fact fans, Groundhog Day mm-hmm. is based on the five stages of grief. Ooh. So he goes Aww. through nice. each stage and Howard Ramus was obsessed with that new theory. And the five stages of grief was actually written about people who were dying. It was written to, oh, that's no. the five stages they go through. But because it was an easy narrative and because grief is not an easy narrative, everyone went, oh, it applies to people who are grieving, but it was never meant to. It was <laughs> supposed to, yeah. yeah, we get it now. So that's, then people yeah, go, really oh, I feel like I'm going through the stages or they go, oh, you're just going through this. It's not true. You go through anger, you come back to anger, you (laughs) leave guilt, guilt lives with you for a year, guilt moves in. Like (laughs) you go through everything. And with children as well, they now feel like, well, there's a grief psychotherapist called Julia Samuel who wrote a book called Grief Works, which is really interesting. And they really recommend that children often see the body. And they're, you know, in the past, yeah. were often encouraged not to. If you don't see the body, it's really hard to understand someone's dead. That's interesting. Mm. And if, especially if you're a child and you think you live in the world where magic happens and people would, there's so many children who lost parents who are now, you know, in their thirties say to me, I just thought they were coming back mm. because no one let me see them da- be dead. So I just thought, they're probably just away. Mm-hmm. So you need children to understand and accept it. Now, obviously, it's very personal. If you think your child is not ready to do that, of course, you're the one that knows your child best. But using things like gone to sleep, gone away to a better place, mm. still watching you, really creepy, Ooh, that one, yeah. really <laughs> Um, The language you use has to be, I think, very clear that they are dead and they're not coming back. And that is sad. And you know what? Sad things happen and we can talk about it and get through it rather than what do you teach a child they've gone away to a better place but don't worry we're never going to cry about it uh how's your teenage years going <laughs> how's your adult life forming relationships confused so i think really think about what you're saying to someone and what that means to them
1: it's interesting my um so i've got someone who's eight and uh he was only three when my father-in-law died and he still misses him he got really upset uh, a few weeks ago um sort of apropos of nothing really. There was nothing really sparked it. Hmm. He just got very upset one bedtime. And then my my grandmother died last summer, I think it was. And um, we, uh, he, my, my wife dropped me off at Stanford with them to fly up for the funeral and stuff. Then they didn't come. And as a kind of, here's a nice thing, before I go away for a weekend, essentially, I gave, I gave him a comic. And that's his main memory from my yeah. grandmother dying. Because <laughs> she, comic lived, day. She, yeah. she lived <laughs> yeah. in Scotland. He had no day-to-day relationship mm. with her. So yeah, yeah. she kind of told him purposes, in his wealth didn't really exist yeah. quote unquote. anyway so she, she, that's the day when I gave him cool comic <laughs> which is very strange yeah. but, it's, but I think it's a
3: 25 year old might feel like that you know yeah. what I mean if you were like oh I don't really know them it's a distant relative but someone's in their life every day mm. and then they die why would a three-year-old not be as upset as a 25, as a 45? Mm. You miss someone. And when you say, I propose nothing, that happens to adults. Yeah. Out of nowhere, you're like, oh, I was felt fine yesterday. And today I feel awful. Mm. And that is why the stages of grief are not true. <laughs> you get waves of different feelings and it can be triggered by winter or Christmas or a song or simply waking up that day. And you have to know that's normal and that's okay. Otherwise, you think you're having a breakdown.
1: Do you feel we have a healthy relationship with death british people?
3: No, I think we have a terrible relationship. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry guys. Me too. I think I'm it's great. getting better but I I don't I think we don't like talking about it. Most of our funerals Especially having talked to a lot of Irish comedians who will be like, oh, I saw a dead body when I was, you know, three. One was like my earliest memories being held over a coffin as a oh baby. <laughs> <laughs> I like to like look at the dead body. <laughs> That's extreme. But we don't, our funerals tend to be, you know, hidden away and we don't see the body and it's not discussed. And I think, I think that can be really unhealthy.
1: I think, yeah, I think... You kind of only it can only become a healthy conversation if it becomes a two way thing. Yeah, and if I wouldn't know what to say to someone who was opening up to me about grief mm-hmm. or, or death because I don't have that conversation very often with anyone, so I, there's no, yeah. new, I don't, I can't develop my views on it. I develop. How well, that's I, it. We're I not, we're not and
3: practiced. And I think if you think about it, like you know, we're getting better at talking about a lot of things, but like. When someone has a new baby and you're a child, you hear adults going, Oh, look, oh this, oh that's nice and you go, Oh, when new babies come around, <laughs> everybody true. says yes. ooh yes. and you're not you're not allowed to oh, hit them. So boring. <laughs> and but you learn, you go, Okay, and mm. we don't let children see the death conversations. Mm. So of course you get to 21 and you're like, I don't know how to talk to someone Mm. because you don't go, oh, this is, you know, so-and-so, her her father just died. You know, should we talk about uh, remembering him or how she feels Mm. and she's really sad and she's going to cry for no reason and that's okay. She's very sad because she really misses her dad because he really meant something to her. And then the child would go, oh, I see. When someone brings up death, we don't change the subject. We don't make (laughs) them feel bad for crying. We just ask them stuff.
1: And actually it's weird, there's been so much... Mm. publicity is the wrong word but you know what I mean around like cancer and trying to raise mm. awareness yeah, of yeah. cancer and, and it's alcohol it's all about, about beating cancer but mm. we don't yeah it's not like mm. hey but some of you are going to die from yeah. it So mm. and there should like, it feels like there's there isn't any impetus to start a conversation yeah. about it right because normally, well because
3: we're still pretending we're not going to die yeah <laughs> <laughs> like well I, well, I won't back die to that. yeah, yeah that's not going to happen to me Mark's I'll be dying. and also <laughs> I think the other big thing to the lot like piece of advice I'd say is like it's okay to not know what to say Mm. You are perfectly allowed to say, when someone says to you, someone bursts into tears, Oh, sorry, my something just died. Just go, I'm really sorry. I don't know what to say. I just feel bad. I'm really sorry. Mm. You don't have to have the right answer. Like who decided that you have a textbook? Mm. We don't. And even
4: there, I think sometimes people can get weirded out by the idea of even being sorry because it's like well I didn't do yeah, anything yeah. You know? but all, all you want to do is show empathy at that point in time you know and, like, and
3: you can easily say that I'm mm. sorry if it's the wrong thing to say I'm sorry mm. if you don't want to hear sorry I just <laughs> yeah. want to tell you I love you and I'm I just feel bad mm. that that happened to you yeah, yeah, yeah and and it's except that you might get it wrong and if that person's mm. like don't say that to me that's the worst thing you can say you can go I'm okay. sorry I got it wrong yeah, <laughs> yeah. like it's okay then- but we all want to be like such good humans of mm. like we don't like getting it wrong. But I think that
4: I've like, I've heard before from, from friends who've lost someone. And especially when it's been like a a shock or a very Mm. young death or something like that, that, that people don't say anything rather than say the wrong thing which ends up being the worst thing because then Mm. you feel lonely at the hardest time
3: someone described it as your pain feels unbearable and if people cross to the other side of the street what they're telling you is it is unbearable yeah and when they cross to speak to you and they stand near you for five minutes what they're saying to you is i'm willing to bear this pain so therefore it can't be so bad that you can't get through it
1: so what are we this week guys what we have (laughs) information of
2: I think we're a nation of people who are learning to deal with death but haven't got there <laughs> yeah, yet. Yeah, I think that's good, yeah.
3: <laughs> learning to figure it out. It's all really mm. new. This age we're living in where we're talking about stuff now, like you know, mental health and gender and race and all these things that are on the table that weren't there before. Like, of course we're going to get it wrong because mm. it's brand new. I think yeah. we're a nation of grievers and I think even if you think you're not in the club, you know someone who is in the club. So, like, And that's okay. It doesn't define you. It doesn't mean that every day you wake up bawling your eyes out, but it doesn't mean that death is a part of this life in our society. And you
1: just need to know okay. you're part of that club.
3: You're
2: part of that club, and that's all right. If you are currently going through grief or a bereavement, there are organisations that can help. Cruise Bereavement Care is the United Kingdom's largest bereavement charity, which provides free care and bereavement counselling to people suffering from grief. You can call them on 0808 808 one six
3: seven seven. I would also recommend Child Bereavement UK, Winston's Wish, Grief Encounter, if you're trying to help a child who's been bereaved. Uh, crews are amazing, and there's a book called Grief Works by Julia Samuel that is also a very helpful resource. Thanks for
2: making it all the way to the end of Britain is a nation of.
1: How can they get in touch, Matilda?
2: You can follow us on Twitter at Yahoo News UK. Or you can find us on Facebook under Yahoo UK and Ireland or email us on Yahoo News UK at oath.com.
4: And join us again for another deep dive into very British behaviours.